Why should I forgive those people? Real life starts now. Welcome to Real Life with Evangelist Ann and Kathleen Lay, where people with real problems find answers in a real God. Welcome to Real Life. I'm your host, Kathleen Light, and joining me is my husband, Evangelist Don Light. Later in the show, you'll hear from Estevan Medina, who was on our previous show. He was lying on his deathbed, refusing to forgive his parents because he believed they messed up his life. You know, in my life, I can remember growing up, and I went through a lot of different hardships, and people did wrong to me, and I just felt like, gosh, this is not fair. There's so much injustice And I was angry and bitter about those things. But when I came to know the Lord, I started to look at myself and do some introspect work and realize, wow, I really messed some people over. And instead of getting my eyes on other people, what they did to me, I realized what I had done. So it was easier for me to forgive other people. Yeah. No, but there's also a set of people who say, well, you know, I've never raped anyone. Mm -hmm. I've never murdered someone. So I can never forgive someone if they do that to me or someone I love. Right. You know, and people can hold these vendettas, you know, because of these horrible, serious crimes. Yeah. But the Bible says, Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, it says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Mm -hmm. That's really hard because... You know, God does require us to forgive, even though we haven't done that crime. Right. But we also have to remember that God is the one who, you know, will provide the justice, not us. Mm -hmm. He will provide the right justice because vengeance is his, the Bible says. And God is a just God. Let's hear from Esteban after the break. Real life is made possible by people like you. We'd like to take this opportunity to sincerely thank you for your generous support. We couldn't do it without you. May God bless. Welcome back to Real Life. I'm your host, Kathleen Light, and joining me is my husband, Evangelist Don Light. Hello, everyone. And joining us is Estevan Medina. He was in a gang growing up, ended up in prison for seven years out of his life, was very angry toward his parents because he felt it was their fault for the way he was living his life. He ended up becoming an alcoholic and didn't realize that he had end-stage liver disease until he was rushed to the hospital and doctors told him that it's it. You're not getting out of here alive. Yeah. I mean, that is a shocking thing when that kind of thing happens. It's pretty scary. So let's welcome to the show, Esteban. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Yes. And now I understand you believe there was a God, but you didn't really follow him. You were just doing your own thing, living your own way, kind of just doing whatever you needed to do to survive in life. And you even sold drugs. And all of a sudden here, you're hit hard with, okay, now I'm about to die. And all these people are praying for you. And it's kind of good, but it freaked you out a little bit. You were at that time mulling around your life. What were some of the things you were mulling over? And were you at that point trying to call out to God? Or did someone help you to create a relationship with him at that time? So when I had gone to the hospital, they told me I had a 5% chance to live for the next three months. And uh, they would be surprised if I made it that long. Mm. So I think during the day when my family was there, everything was like so surreal. It didn't seem real. But when they left and I was by myself... Like, I started to look back at my life and, like, asking myself, where did it go? You know, mm-hmm. what did I do with it? Like, and this is it. This is how I'm going to die. And I just was trying to think of any way because I'm used to manipulating or trying to get my way or figuring out how to get what I want. And there was 
no way I could go about that right now. Mm. And I remember my wife and her mom, they used to talk to us about God and tell us, like, when are you going to be ready to surrender? And I remember that night just being, like, so broken and just saying, like, God, I don't want to be like this. Help me. That was the biggest prayer I ever prayed, I guess. Wow. wow. And my wife, it came in the next day. And what had happened that night was somebody died. They had me in ICU and I had a roommate and he passed away. And I heard everything happen. And oh. the nurses came in after that happened and they were like, that's going to happen to you next. And she oh goes, it would be better if you let us put this band on you. And I was like, what is this band? And she said, it's a do not resuscitate band. She goes, because if that happens, we could hurt you, and you don't want your kids to see you like that. You don't want your family to see you like that. And she pretty much told me, like, you're done. There's no helping you. So you might as well just let yourself go. Wow. <laughs> and I remember being, like, so scared. And I told her, I was like, go ahead, put it on me. Then mm. wow. my wife came in the next day, and she was like, what is that? And I told her, and she cut it off immediately. And me and her started talking, and I told her, you got to forgive me for everything that I've done. And, like, I forgive you for everything that you've done. I said, but we need to just, like, we need to come to God right now and mm. give our lives to him. We need to surrender. Mm. And that was the start of it because I ended up being in the hospital for nine months. And every day they spoke death on me. Every day they told me, I can't believe you're still alive. My body deteriorated. I was 97 pounds. Mm. I couldn't walk. I couldn't stand. I was in a diaper. Uh -huh. So from the way that I used to live and then being bedridden and wearing a diaper, it humbled me. Mm. Yeah. And on February 14th for Valentine's Day, my wife had to rush me to the hospital because the toxins were building up in my brain. And I was hallucinating and just, you know, going through some things. And my wife, she drove like two hours from Colorado Springs to Denver. Right. And I don't know how she did it because I was like yelling and irate and, wow. you know, having hallucinations. Wow. And my wife got me there and then they strapped me down in the bed and they thought I was drinking. It was a really bad episode of it. And my wife finally just put hands on me and started praying and I was able to calm down. Wow. Can you tell us about what happened when you had the experience that you died? Yes. So the next day, I remember waking up. And I couldn't breathe. I was trying to scream for help, but I couldn't move. It was like I was paralyzed. I remember the nurse tapping my chest and like rubbing on it. And she was talking to me. I could see her, but I couldn't say nothing. And I remember like I was freaking out because I couldn't breathe. And all of a sudden, the lights went out. Like everything just went pitch black. Mm. And almost immediately, this bright light came around me. And the best way to describe it is for the first time in my life, I felt free. Uh -huh. I felt free from the pain I was dealing with at the time. I was free from everything. Like, I didn't have no hate, no unforgiveness, or no bitterness. Just I was completely free from everything. Wow. And there was this voice, and this voice, it was, like, really powerful, but at the same time so gentle. And he started talking to me about forgiveness. And I was like, I can't forgive these people. I'll never forgive these people. And I think that was because of the way I was brought up and being in prisons and stuff like that. So I was like, I'm never going to forgive. Mm. And he told me, if I could forgive you for everything that you've done, then how come you can't forgive something so little? Mm. And I remember like seeing flashbacks of just things that I've done. And I remember I started crying and I was like begging him to take it from me. And I was like, please take it. I don't want it no more. I don't want to hold on to it. And he told me, go back and be with your family. You're going to be healed. And let my people know that I'm coming soon. During this time, I guess they resuscitated me. 
and put me on life support. So I was in a coma for three days at the time, but it only seemed like a couple seconds. Wow. And when I woke up, my wife was by my side. And after they did test on me, they pulled the tubes out of my throat. And I looked at my wife and I said, how long was I dead for? And she was like, what do you mean? You were right here. I said, no, I wasn't here. I was gone. And I told her what happened. And I asked her, I said, can you call my mom? She called my mom. And the first time in 28 years of my life, I told my mom, I'm sorry. I love her. And I forgive her for everything. And we both cried on the phone for a little bit. And then I called my dad. The hate for my dad was a lot more because, like, he was the cause of everything. And a conversation I had had with him previous to that was, if I see you, I'm going to smash you. I don't want to see you. Right. But I called my dad and I told him I was sorry for the way that I treated him. And I asked him if he could forgive me. And I told him I forgive him for everything. Wow. And I just remember it felt so good that I was like, who else can I call? <laughs> <laughs> who else can I forgive while I'm at it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that happened in February. And I was only supposed to live the three months. That would have been March. And like I said, my body was deteriorating. I was wow. falling apart. And actually, six months later, I was still there. And the doctor was like, wow, dude, I don't know what's going on. The faith that I had when I came out of the coma, because the doctors would you know, still speak death on me and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I would tell them, like, I'm healed in the name of Jesus. And I mean, if you see me, you wouldn't expect that coming out from me because I'm covered in tattoos. Right. From my <laughs> knee all the way down. Right. Uh-huh. So here it is nine months down the road. You know, since the first time I was in the hospital, and yeah. I had to go in front of a board of doctors and tell them why I deserve a liver. And there was nothing good I could really go in and say because I've never done anything good in my life. Mm-hmm. I told them I've given my life to God, and I want to help other people that are dealing with this. Mm. And I want to be there for my kids. I'm not ready to die yet. And about three or four days later, we got an envelope saying that I got accepted on the transplant list. Wow. Wow. So you were able to receive a liver transplant, and how has your life changed? And give us one word you'd give to someone who needs hope right now. Don't give up. My life changed because I've always had a desire to like help youth from making the same mistakes that I've done. And I was never living right. But when I surrendered my life to God, He opened that door. And we've now had a ministry called Second Chance Through Faith where we reach out to kids that are incarcerated, that are on the streets, in the gangs. And what the devil tries to use for harm, God will turn it around and use it for his glory. Amen. Mm. That's so powerful. And you're also there for your kids. Amen. Yes, and I'm also there for my kids and my family. Amen. Well, you know what? It's been wonderful talking to you and hearing your powerful testimony. Estevan, may God bless you in all that you're doing. We're going to pray for those who maybe have unforgiveness in their heart or they're in a hospital or somewhere and they need hope. You know, we don't know when our last day or moment is. Really, this is what this kind of speaks to me, you know. We really don't know when our last time frame is in our life. And I really love how he said it felt so good to forgive and make amends in his time here on this earth. My question is, are we doing that? Mm. Are we taking time to make amends? Are we taking time to build more offense, Mm -hmm. division, and walls? I'm praying right now, Lord God, that first of all, someone who's out there and saying, I don't deserve forgiveness, Jesus, we just want to take a moment to receive the forgiveness you've given to us. Mm -hmm. We take that. Mm-hmm. And then help us now that we have it to give it away. So Jesus, we receive you. Mm-hmm. We believe you died on the cross for our sins. Let us experience it. Let us feel it yes. to our inner soul yes, so that we can give it away 
Yes, Lord. And forgive those who've offended and hurt us in yes, Jesus' Lord. mighty name. Help us to understand your forgiveness so we can freely give it away. In Jesus' name. God bless you all. You're listening to Real Life. Real Life.